Hello. There we go. All right. I want to read that passage of the song we just sang. Um, this is not the sermon. This is a little extra bit, okay? Yes. Um, but I want you to get that picture because it's amazing, all right? Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. And his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven were following him, riding on, a white, on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's the picture in Scripture, the song we just sang. God, we... Come in the name of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we are so grateful for the power and the mercy of your grace that you have reached down and touched our lives and given us hope for eternity. And God, we're not fearful of that day, the day that you come. Because you have already renewed our hearts and our minds. But because that day is coming, and we know it's coming, and our hearts and our minds and our lives and have been forever changed by the grace of Jesus Christ, God, we are compelled to take the name of Jesus everywhere we go this week, every step we take. Every conversation we have, God. That when you come again, Teesside will embrace you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And they won't fear the day you return. But they would look forward to the moment that you crack the clouds and come again. And God, that's what fuels us. That's what drives us. And God, to that end, we give you praise and glory because of who you are, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. What a picture to end worship on this morning. Um, I'm excited uh, to get to share my heart a little bit with you guys this morning. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 5. We start a new series called Heroes uh, Today. And um, heroes, uh, I believe there's heroes in the room this morning. Um, uh, as, I've, as I've hung around uh, s- uh, some of our, our kids workers this week, just watching them engage our children across the estate and uh, our young people, uh, we've got heroes all around us already. Uh, but we're going to look at Peter, who's one of my heroes, okay? And um, so we're going to be looking at him in just a minute. And so you can uh, crack open the word to Luke chapter uh, uh, 5. We're also going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Jesus walk, I mean, uh, Jesus calling Peter out of the boat to walk on the water. Um, I picked Peter, I picked Peter, 
Um, because, uh, well, I, I love the fact that uh, Peter looks a lot like me, if I'm honest. Impetuous, loud, outgoing, uh, has a tendency to do something and go, ooh, I probably shouldn't have done that, all right? You know, that guy, all right? And so the reason I picked Peter this morning is because I think a lot of us look like Peter. We do stuff and we're like, oh, man, snap. I wish I could redo that, you know, and start over. Um, but isn't that cool that God gives us that kind of uh, grace and mercy? So we're going to look at a little, pe- a little bit of Peter's failures but we're also going to be captivated by his faith this morning and what God does through him, all right? Um, I also want to chat with our church, the body of Christ called the Vine, and, and just kind of give you an update, okay? Now, the last time you heard me speak was a video, okay? Um, so I don't know if you've had a chance to see, see that video, but we talked about uh, as a church and as leadership that um, we, we feel like it's time to create a succession plan, right, for uh, the senior pastor role at our church. Okay. Now listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to paint this any other way. It's been a hard and challenging seven weeks. Matter of fact, if anybody ever asked me to go on sabbatical again, I'd probably look at him and say, no chance. Okay. Cause like sabbatical, uh, it doesn't feel like a sabbatical. Okay. If I'm honest. All right. Um, but I'm, let me tell you where I am in my heart. I'm happy. I'm excited because here's the deal. Uh, churches all over the world, denominations have been born out of controversy and struggle for generations, okay? Um, churches have been born all over the world out of struggles and controversy, okay? We're, we're going to model a different way to do church, okay? As a body of believers chasing after Jesus, we're going to do this in such a way that people Notice Jesus Christ in the midst of who we are as a group of followers chasing a dream that is centered on the gospel and nothing more. Okay? So as a, as a body of believers, I want to encourage you today that we are chasing after the Spirit of God and God's leading and God's anointing and God's calling. And we're going to do that together. Okay? So I want to encourage you this morning. Um, I'm not discouraged or despondent or not coming back. Um, I'm excited about the next several years of what God's going to do in our midst and the story he's writing in Teesside centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. And so let's do this together. Okay. Now succession, uh, we met on Monday night with the oversight team and the trustees, uh, and the vineyard movement leadership, and we're in the process of of walking that road together. Okay, and honestly, church, we're not going to be in a massive hurry. We're not going to we're not going to rush into this. We're going to do this uh, in the rhythm of God's leading and the power of the Holy Spirit and His direction. Um, so I want you to be encouraged this morning that God is at work, and and. Um, you know, that could take up to 12 months. We have no time. We have no idea what God's going to do. Okay. But we're going to do this together and we're going to, we're going to show the world watching. There's a watching world out there. What it looks like to, to go through challenges and, and walk, walk this hard road together and make decisions 
led by the Spirit of God. Okay? So I want to ask you to join with us in that. And as we lean into this series called Heroes, honestly, we need, we need some heroes to step up. Now, hero by definition is a person who is admired for their courage, some kind of outstanding achievement, or they did something out of the ordinary, extraordinary means that God's used to do something through their lives. We're surrounded by heroes all around us. I want you to notice, though, that um, in most instances, um, someone that God used to do something extraordinary had to come through some things to get there, okay? Um, and and I, wanna, I want us to look at Peter's life this morning and begin to examine what it looks like, Peter's life, and how he, how he can inspire us to go, you know what? I, I believe God could use my life to accomplish something extraordinary. Listen, King Jesus, that picture in Revelation is coming. He is coming again. But until that day, until that moment, he's calling you and myself to step up and, uh, as Dave Dixon says, to show out Jesus Christ to a watching world. And, and we need some of you to step up and go, I, I want to be that ordinary person that God uses to do the extraordinary. And call me a hero if you want. That's what I want to call you. Two years down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road. To look back and go, that man, that woman is the person that God used to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. They're my hero. Okay, so let's look at... Peter's life, all right? Let's look at Luke chapter 5 to start out with this morning. So we know quite a bit about Peter, actually. Um, there's, there's, uh, he's an apostle. Um, he was one of the early disciples that Jesus called. I want to rewind, though, in, into a little bit of Peter's life. As Jesus came on the scene and, and, and he began to do miracles and work amongst people and God began to uh, powerfully move across the landscape uh, around, you know, Capernaum and, and uh, Nazareth and Galilee and all those places, right? God, Jesus, God with skin on, walked into Peter's house and healed his mother, right? Uh, Jesus touched her and she was physically healed, Um Peter at that moment, though, had still not said, I'm all in. I'm completely in. He was still kind of watching. Now, if you and I had seen, well, some of you are like, man, I'm, I don't know if I want my mother-in-law healed or not, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what your relationship at home is with your in-laws. But, but when, when Jesus uh, touched Peter's mother, it didn't change Peter's life. And I, I want to know why. Right? I mean, I'm thinking, man, if you'd seen Jesus with skin on, God with skin on, do something, and it changed someone so close in your family, wouldn't that have drawn you into being a full, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? But for some reason, it didn't in Peter's life. And you fast forward in Scripture to Luke chapter 5, and Jesus is doing his thing, which is 
uh, ministering, healing, preaching the good news, doing what Jesus does, which, oh, by the way, is what we're supposed to be doing. And, and Jesus rolls up on the Sea of Galilee and, and Peter and Andrew and James are doing their thing, which is their business. They're fishermen and they're doing their thing. They've been out all night, uh, trying to catch a catch of fish so that they could keep feeding their family, right? Good fathers, good husbands, just trying to make ends meet. Jesus rocks up and he says, can I, can I use your boat? A, cow, a crowd had gathered to hear Jesus as was what was happening. And Peter obediently says, yeah, you can, you can stand in my boat. And he pushes the boat out and he begins to preach. And Jesus stops in the midst of preaching and he says to Peter, Peter, why don't you take your net and, and, and let's push out a little further and you drop your net for a catch of fish. Now in that moment, Peter could have said, Jesus, you're a carpenter. You have no idea what you're talking about in this fishing department. <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing. He'd seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He'd seen Jesus do a few things along the way. his early days. And, and Peter obeys Jesus. And he drops the net. And he gives several, I mean, I believe Peter's first response was, we've been out all night. I mean, it's right there in scripture, Luke chapter five. We've been out all night. We've, we've already washed the nets. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll do it. Man, if we could live like that, people, honestly, church, if you and I could live like that, no matter what we got going on in our world, our mindset, our stuff, if Jesus said, do this, if we said, because you say so, if that was our default setting, God, whatever you want, I'll lay it down for your glory, for your kingdom, for what you want to do. I shared with the oversight team on, on, and the trustees on Monday night, listen, I've laid down my title. I've laid down all that. You know why? Because I want greater glory for Jesus Christ. I don't care. I don't care. I want to do this together with you as a church and watch him do something so supernatural and so powerful that nobody gets the credit, that Jesus gets the glory, and all we do is look back and go, God moved. That's what I want. It's what I want. It's not how I would have written it. It's not the story I would have written, how, how we've got to this place. It's not. But honestly, I don't care, church. I want us collectively together to go on a journey together and say, God, what do you want? Whatever you want, God. That's what I want. So church, let's, let's forget all the stuff and all the mechanics of everything that we want. And let's say, God, what do you want? And so then together, for the greater glory of who Jesus is, we can, we can press his kingdom into there and to Thornaby there and across Teesside all over this place. That our church becomes a light in the midst of Great pain and difficulty. Listen, I'm not trying to gloss it over. It's been a hard eight weeks. But let's not shrink back. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I want to step into what you want. Call me a hero if you want. 
Call yourself a hero if you want. All I want is Jesus Christ to be glorified and for you to be used and for me to be used and collectively this church to be used for his glory. That's what we need. That's what we want. So Peter looked at Jesus and said, whatever you think, God, whatever you want. Listen, I don't understand that I've been working all night, Peter said. And I, oh, by the way, I'm a fisherman and you're a carpenter, for goodness sake. But whatever you think, whatever you're leading, whatever you say, his heart was obey. And so we did. And what happened? The greatest catch in the history of Galilean fishermen happened. That's what happened. The greatest moment in the history of fishing happened, right? Peter's boat began to sink, and, you know, he called uh, Andrew and James, I think, or James and John, I don't know, I'm supposed to know that, uh, and, and pulls them across, and, and, they, and they pull this, this, this catch of fish out that is, is sinking and breaking the nets of Peter's boat, and they, and together collectively, they, they lug it up. I mean, can you picture this? I mean, fish flopping all over the beach, right? And, and these guys are, you know, hard working, pulling this net up and getting it there. And what is, what happens? What's the next sequence? What does Peter do? Peter, in, in a spirit of brokenness, says, my Lord and my God. He recognizes Jesus. He saw his mother-in-law healed a couple of days ago. And it didn't do it. But because of the miracle that Peter saw. And his heart of obedience. Just to do whatever Jesus said. The miracle that happened drove Peter to his knees. And he just said, God, I get this now. I don't understand you. I don't understand all of this. But your Lord and Revelation 19, you are king of kings. Right? I mean, he recognizes him. Have you recognized Jesus this morning? And he's your savior? And that no matter what, I mean, you've seen him do certain things or whatever, but you've never really entered into this, man, you are king of kings and lord of lords, and my life is worthy of you. And I'm going to chase after you the rest of my life. And the scripture says in that picture in Luke chapter 5, that they literally left the greatest catch in history of Galilean fishermen, and followed Jesus. And Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. You're going to catch men for the rest of your life. That's Luke chapter 5. That's, that's, that's Peter colliding with Jesus. And his life is forever changed. Now, fast forward. Peter's life. No, so he's had this conversion moment. He, he's sold out everything. He's left his livelihood to chase after Jesus. And he's doing his thing, following Jesus, being a man of God, chasing and chasing and fishing for, for lost souls. That's what he's doing. Now, I believe he still fished. How do I know that? Because if you look in, in the Gospels, that's what, that's what Peter does in John chapter 20. He's still out there. But it, it didn't matter anymore. Jesus is the only thing that mattered. And the rhythm of his life was wrapped around the gospel narrative from that point forward. And so, so Peter goes on this journey. And there's different scenes with Peter that are so hilarious to me. And the reason I love him as a hero is because he's flawed. He's just like you and me. We got issues. If you don't have issues, 
we got to talk, okay? We need to talk tonight somewhere. I mean, I just need to meet up with you. If you're like hanging out this morning and you're like, man, I got it all together. I got my act together. Then we got to chat, okay? Because we're all flawed, right? And Peter leans into his flaws a lot, okay? Like, like in Matthew chapter 14, the guys are in their boat, they're doing their thing, and Jesus comes to them on the water, right? And they think it's a ghost. They're freaking out, okay? The imagery in Scripture, listen, if you think the Bible's boring, you're missing it, okay? Because the imagery in Scripture is hilarious and crazy. And, man, you just got to say, God, would you open my mind and my heart to what you want to teach me today? The, the, the disciples are in this boat, and, and Jesus is coming at them, and they're all freaking out. It's a ghost. And, and Peter says, if that's you, Jesus, bid me come to you. Now listen, he's flawed, Peter. He does all kinds of things wrong. But you know what I love about Peter? He's got a giant heart of faith. And, and he, he looks at Jesus and, and says, if it's you, bid me to come. Now listen, nobody else has ever walked on water. I don't care what you say about Peter in this passage. The dude walked on water. He did. Nobody else has ever walked on water. Ever. Jesus and Peter. That's it. That's the only two. In the history of walking on water. That's it. You, you know why I love Peter? Because he, ha, he has his flaws, and we're going to look at a few of those in a minute. But man, he has this heart of faith that says, God, I've seen you do some stuff now. I saw you heal my, my mother-in-law. I'm a little concerned about that still. I'm still working through the process of all that. Um, I've seen the greatest catch in history. I've seen you do incredible things. And you say, bid me come. So he literally gets out of the boat and he walks on water. That's awesome. Nobody else has ever done that. That's courageous faith. And it's a raging storm. And Jesus said, come on, come with me. <laughs> I love his faith. Now, flaws arise. Peter, what does he do? The scripture says that he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to look at the wind and the waves and doubt begins to creep in. And what happens? He begins to sink, doesn't he? But man, what a man of faith. Nobody else has ever done that. Everybody seems to focus on the failure of Peter's life in this moment. But I like, maybe it's because I'm a positive, outgoing, out, out forward-looking American. I don't know. But I'm like, dude, that's amazing that Peter walked on water. Let's focus on the positive here. Courageous faith. And then you fast forward to the end of Jesus' life on earth as we know it physically. Jesus is crucified. And in that trial, in that journey to Golgotha, to the cross, Peter denies the Lord Jesus three times. To children even. Right? To a little schoolgirl. This, this guy who, who, Jesus has set apart and said even 
on your faith, on your testimony. I will build my church, Peter. He denies Jesus, even to a little schoolgirl in the courtyard. He's flawed. But he's faithful. He's courageous. Man, I love that. Because you know what? That's you and that's me. Now watch what happens when Jesus rises from the dead in Peter's life. And this is, this is significant for us as a church. When the Spirit of God rose Jesus from the dead, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he restored Peter. He, he, I believe Jesus met with Peter on purpose. I don't believe there's ever anything done in a corner or by chance. I don't believe in chance. I don't. God's at work. In the midst of all of this going on in our church, God's at work. I don't believe in chance. I believe God's at work. I believe God's doing something. And I'm choosing and we're choosing to go, okay, God, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. No matter what, we can't see it. We don't understand it. I'm going for it. Nothing happens by chance. God's at work. Jesus encounters Peter. Again, Peter's out fishing. Jesus walks up on the shore. Peter dives in from his boat and swims to shore because he recognizes Jesus. Is that the heart of a coward? Is that the heart of someone that, that, that recognizes his relationship with God's broken? No, he's full on. Right? He's like, I, I love Jesus, my Savior. He denied him three times days ago, but here he is. And what does Jesus do? Jesus meets with Peter and he restores him into fellowship three different times. Symbolic, sure. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus tell Peter, I love you, I love you, I love you, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of the flock? How many times? Three. It's as if Jesus is telling Peter, listen, I've got bigger plans for you. I've got a dream for you. I've, you're going to be a hero for the church, Peter. And he restores him. And then Jesus, the last words he spoke on this big blue ball was, go and make disciples. And as you go, when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will make disciples. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. What happens to this coward, to this guy who fumbled with his life, this guy who continually made mistakes, who continually showed his flaws? What happened? The Spirit of God falls on his life. And in Acts chapter 2, this coward who would not speak about Jesus to a little child stands up before the very men who killed Jesus and preached the most anointed sermon of the moment in history up till that moment, the most anointed, powerful sermon. And the scripture says thousands of people's hearts were broken and they gave their lives to Jesus. And the church 
was born. (laughs) That's why Peter is my hero. Because in the midst of his flaws, in the midst of all the things that are who he was in his humanity, God collided with his life. The Holy Spirit filled him. And he became the instrument that God used to touch the world with the gospel. Amazing. So I wonder this morning, how many of you feel like my life is flawed? I don't have what it takes. I can't do anything without struggling along the way. That's who we are in our humanity. But when the Spirit of God collides with our lives and we live that heart like like Peter, a, a heart of obedience and a heart to risk for the glory of God, when we live that way, then all of a sudden God can do something with that life. And the future... So when you think about the flaws and his faith and the future, what happens in the future? God uses Peter to establish the church, the body of Christ, the general ecclesia. That's who we are. Forget this, the vine and the tab and all saints and, you know, Colby Newham Baptist. That's all, that's all institutions and man-made. Most of it, Honestly, born out of schism, born out of problems, born out of, I don't really get what you're doing, so I'm going to do what I want to do, right? That's that's what denominationalism is. Let's be honest, okay? What does God want to do? God wants to take you and me, believers, the ecclesia, the general ecclesia, the body of Christ, knit our hearts together to do something extraordinary, something that would take a hero to do. And that's you. And that's me. But most of us feel like, and my life is flawed. There's nothing I can do for you. That's not true. It's not true about you. That's not true about me. Okay. Here's how I want us to end this this morning. I want us to, I want us to take a minute. I want us to bow our heads. Okay. We don't normally do this. So if you're, if you're a first timer with us, just kind of bear with us. Okay. I want, I want you to take a minute. And I don't have to ask you to think about your flaws because you know why? The enemy does that anyway. He shoots stuff at us right and left. And I made this decision. I did that. I have this attitude, whatever. And man, the enemy just builds a house made of thoughts in your mind and you become useless in your mind. (laughs) That's what the enemy does. His name is the devil. I believe in him, okay? I believe he's real. That's what he does. He attacks How do we know that? The Bible says, John 10, 10, the enemy, the thief, the liar, he comes to steal your life, kill your life, and destroy your life. That's what he wants to do with you. And so some of you, when you close your eyes, your first thought is, man, I can't do anything. I don't need to tell you that because the enemy's already telling you that. I want you to take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ because that's what what Paul tells us to do in 2 Corinthians. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Of Christ. And I want you to say to, to the Lord in your heart, in your heart of hearts this morning, whisper it, shout it, I don't care. 
I want you to say to the Lord, God, I recognize my flaws in my humanity. Just confess it to him. I recognize it. But I want to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and who you've wired me to be and to become. And that is someone that you can use, God. Ordinary for the extraordinary. I give you my life today, God, to move from maybe watching or making poor decisions or poor choices to standing up, to stepping up so that you can show out and call me a hero if you want, world that's watching. I want to do this for my king. Just whisper that to God. God, I want to move from the sidelines. I want to move from failures. I want to move from struggles to stepping into all that you have for me. That you would be king of kings. You'd be my king. And I would carry your name to a watching world that's hopeless and broken. Listen, our world is broken and and needs you and me to move into the, that rhythm that we've preached about these last few weeks, the rhythm of the gospel and it advancing through your life so that the watching world is captivated not by what you do, but by who Jesus is in you. He's calling you. <laughs> He's calling you to be a hero. We need some people in this room to step up so he can step out through you to be a hero to this to this estate certainly it's broken generationally broken we need you to step up and say I'm going to be a hero to this community to this estate but certainly beyond that listen God's given us a vision for this valley and it's a big valley people think I'm nuts but I go up on Roseberry as often as I can right Why do I do that? Because I need to lose weight. No. Why do I do that? Because I want to pray over the valley. I want God to do something extraordinary in this valley. Listen, I believe this place is a recipe for revival and awakening. This church, certainly. This estate, definitely. But this valley is a recipe for revival. Why? Because they see themselves as hopeless. What do we have? We have hope. We have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he can reshape there for forevers. That's what we're talking about. God wants you to step up and be a hero today. And we need you. I'm not going to lie to you. We need you. We need you to, to just say, as we've preached in January, we need you to go, I'm all in. doesn't matter what's coming. I'm all in. I'm going to serve Jesus side by side with you as a church to touch a town. That's what we need you to do today. What does that look like? It looks like getting in a connect group. It looks like coming every Sunday. It looks like saying, okay, I'm going to live with open hands. It looks like I'm going to serve. I'll be on the door. I'll tell my friends about you. That's what it looks like. It looks like you 
bowing your knees every day and walking in a spirit of prayer and saying, God, would you alone do what only you can do? That's what it looks like. And I'm going to get on a plane on Tuesday and I'm going to go hang out with my son for five weeks and I'm going to come back and we better be getting it. That's all I'm saying. We better be getting after it. Because I'm going to tell you this. I'm excited about what God's going to do in this place, in this church. And I, I can't figure it out. I don't have the capacity in my mind to wrap my mind around what that looks like. But I'm all in. Okay? I just want you to know that. And I'm going to raise my salary to do what I've done for the last six years here and just preach Jesus, love people, disciple people. And we're going to ask God to raise up a, a leader to take us to the next place. And that's, that's flipping exciting. Let's get excited about what's happening as a church. Okay? Let's not go, woe is me or woe is us. Let's lock in and let's see what God wants to do. Because I'm not bothered. It's amazing. I don't know who quote this is, but it's a great quote. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. That's a true story. That's it. It's amazing what we can see God do when nobody in this room cares who gets the credit on this side of earth. Let's see what God does through us. All right, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I give you every soul in this room. I thank you for the hearts and minds and lives and who they are and what they represent. And God, would you mingle our souls together? Would you knit our hearts together for your great glory so that when you crack open the heavens, And the picture of King Jesus is not just in Scripture, but we see you coming on the clouds. God, that we would not look back with regret to our futility or our failures, but we would look forward to your coming because of the saints from Thornaby and Stockton and Middlesbrough and Teesside, from from one end of this valley to the other, God, the saints that are going to rise to meet you because of our labor here for your glory. God, would you raise up heroes in this room today for your glory. And we commit that to you in Jesus' name.